and gents, Chicago baseball fans everywhere. Welcome to the Crosstown Baseball Show. And it is a big week here in Chicago because we are three sleeps away from opening day baseball, the 2023 season. Uh, my name is Anthony Shulo, your host. I'm joined always by Anthony Romanelli. And I can't think of anyone else that is excited as I am as Anthony Romanelli. Romanelli, how you doing? Three sleeps away, baby. Three sleeps away. I love three, that. Three slumbers, and then I'll be at home watching the, the White Sox open against the Astros. We're going to talk all about it today because today we are previewing that opening series. We're going to talk Cubs Brewers. We're going to talk White Sox Astros and all of the things that have kind of coalesced now that spring training is is reaching its end, oddly enough. Um, it looks like the Cubs and the and the Sox are wrapping up spring training against each other tomorrow. They play today. They play another tomorrow. And then they they're off. Open. They, they, they kissed, did they tie today. They kissed their sister today. They did. They did tie today. Um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't really care. All I care about is Thursday. And I'm sure you feel the same. Same. Exactly the same. Thursday, it's game on. Nothing else matters. Um one of the teachers I used to work with used to have a countdown for the year. Like I have this many get ups until the end of the year, like this many wake ups. That's what we would call them. This many wake ups. <laughs> so we have three wake ups, three wake ups till opening day. Man, I, I just every single time an opening day comes around, it doesn't matter what went on in the off season. It doesn't matter what I have going on in my personal life. It literally is Christmas in March or Christmas in April. Every yep. damn time. Every every opening day, I have to be honest with you. This one's going to be a little bit bitter, a little bittersweet for me. Um, with the death of Lynn Bramer, um, mm. who was an enormous Cubs fan. I am still actually trying to find out as we speak if his family will be throwing out the first pitch. I mean, his his name was on every marquee, every music marquee, every restaurant marquee in Wrigleyville. So uh, I will be listening. I would get up early on purpose because uh, he would get up at like four in the morning and just go and go nuts and then over to Yoxies. And I've been to Yoxies a couple of times, all that stuff. So I am actually, this one's going to be a little bit bittersweet for me uh, because I'll miss him. Uh, they, they, the uh, WXRT is going to Yoxies and they're, you know, going to have the opening day um, shindig as normal, but it'll be a little different this year. That's all. So, well, no doubt the Cubs will, I suspect, do something for Lynn. Obviously, you and yeah. many others kind of share that sentiment, no doubt. Um, but I want to get into it because we have a lot to talk about. A lot has happened over the last 48 hours as both the Cubs and the Sox prepare to break camp and head to uh, Chicago and Houston to start uh, this 162 game series of events, which is always fun. Um, and we have a lot to talk about, not only all off <clears throat> all season long, we'll have, you know, us two bozos talking about Cubs and Sox baseball, but um, we want to kind of set the stage for this first, uh, this first series of the 2023 season. And I do want to start with the Cubs. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the series, but we're going to also talk about kind of who made this team. A lot of announcements for both the Cubs and the Sox came in the last uh, 48 hours as they start to piece these teams together. Um, what I do want to start with 
is I do want to start with, and I, I know I totally am doing the opposite of what I just told you before we started this Romanelli, but Ooh. now that I'm actually talking about it, it just makes more sense to do it this way. I do want to start talk, start talking about those opening day roster moves and kind of who was optioned, who's making the team, who's not. Um, and I was a little surprised by some of these names, and I'm sure you were too, and I want to kind of run through this list for everybody. Um, as far as we know right now, and of course, things can trickle in in the next couple of days leading up to opening day. Um, we know this. We know that uh, Seiya Suzuki began playing minor league games today. Um, yep. He is going to be back sometime in April, which is great. Um, we have Adrian Sampson, who was actually optioned to AAA. Uh, we have Javier Assad, who did well um, playing for Team Mexico in the World Baseball Classic. He did make the team and will be pitching out of the bullpen. Um, <laughs> I figured you'd like that one. Um, mm. we have Christopher Morell optioned to triple A, and we'll talk about that here in a second. <laughs> Romanelli's biting your tongue. I said, I already see it. <laughs> and, um, in, 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 uh, Christopher Morell's place, it looks like Miles Mastroboni makes the roster. I trust I'm butchering that. Um, Luis Torrens makes the roster. He's a catcher. And then Michael Rucker will make the roster out of the bullpen. I know you already have some thoughts on a few of these guys. What is what's standing out to you out of that list? Um, I, I think the one that stands out is Morrell. Um, not surprised. We had some off or maybe even on camera uh, conversations about Morrell being 5'9", 140. Uh, that's a tiny little man. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> If he wasn't, I mean, if he wasn't cutting it during spring training, they don't have a choice. What what I do like is that I I hope that that sent, and I know he was a spark last year, um, and I was rooting for him all summer um, or all spring. I almost said spring break because I'm on spring break. Um, <laughs> all spring training, teacher life, um, right? Um, but he didn't cut it, so he's not there. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm hopeful that he grows. So when he gets his number called that he's ready to go, he's going to have to first get over the, the the mental hurdle of being cut. My guess is he probably believed he wasn't going to be cut um, just because of what happened last year. Not that anybody's a shoe in, but I don't think for a second he thought he was going to get cut. Yeah. And, and, I'll, and I'll say this, Jed Hoyer, when he, um, announced the news on uh morale which i believe was um, yesterday he had said he yep. wanted morale to go down to triple a to get more at bats which i i totally understand i mean this is a guy that was he a spark plug last year no doubt about it makes good contact hits for some power but he also strikes out a lot and i think that's still a huge concern uh, i would agree I, again this i think is not this isn't a, a chris bryant move uh that would have been more of a a thing with mervis who I'm surprised isn't up. Um, but <clears throat> morale again, with the strikeouts, uh, it, it made sense. It did. It's a little disappointing, but it made sense. It, yeah, certainly did. Um, you know, you look at um, the starting rotation for this team as well. Um, it looks like that's coming into focus. 
Um, it, this isn't in any particular order. The only thing we do know of this five-man rotation is who is number one and who is number five. Um, yep. the, the Cubs have not released the five-man rotation um, on their website as of right now, but it looks like Stroman will be starting opening day, followed by your main man, Justin Steele, um, Jameson Tyone, Drew Smiley, and Hayden Wesneski gets the fifth spot in the rotation. He had been lights out all spring and yep. just looked like a stud. Absolute stud. ERA just over two. Um, obvious shirts already gave him his own shirt. Um, did they really? I, they did. Um, it came out today. I could dig for it, but I'm not going to at the, at the moment. Um, but he already got a shirt. Uh, I do think he's um, the the feel good story of the spring of spring training. He is yeah. a feel good story. He's not uh, he's not the goofy happy Frank Schwindel. He was this guy that came out of nowhere and just kicked ass and was so good that he got noticed. And I'm excited for him. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the team. If he's their number five and he's as strong as he's been pitching in the spring and that rotation holds up, there's a possibility they could surprise some people. You know what? I'm I'm not even going to put that past them. I absolutely agree. You know, you look at, I think people, when you look at the spring stats, people don't realize that Stroman himself had a really good spring today. Yep. Yep. Tyone, his pitches look really filthy. I mean, uncharacteristic of what I've seen him in previous starts, even with the Yankees. Um, and you just, you give me Stroman, Tyone, um, and Wesneski all pitching at a high level. And, and say you just get so-and-so out of Smiley and Steele. And we know Steele can pitch, just pitch like out of his mind. And yep. on any given start. So I think you're right. There, there's there's a high ceiling there. I think the floor is still rather low, and that gap is quite wide. Um, but just looking at Wesneski, I mean, you said it a little over two ERA, 17 in- innings pitched this spring, 22 strikeouts in 17 innings, and four yeah. only four earned runs. I mean, that's just I mean, you hope he can carry that over into the season. Obviously, when when opening day comes around and you're playing in major league ballparks against full major league teams. It's kind of a different story, but the thing with Wisniewski is last year, he had exposure to that. He came in with some spot starts with the Cubs. I believe he made a handful of four or five starts and he looked good then too. So I, you have someone strong in the back end of your rotation that that's that consistent um, pitching wins ball games, folks. And that can take you a long way. Yeah. And I think uh, as they continue to grow as a pitching staff, uh, I don't obviously I don't see him staying there number five if he mm. continues to and that might it may be a little premature to say that but I don't see him staying the number five if he pitches as well as he has been over the spring because again like he was consistent at the end of last year he's consistent now even better than he was last year so now to your point can he handle what you know what will his body be able to take full season wise will he be able to go the seven eight innings or jesus now four and a half um <laughs> um you know can, can he go seven innings for his full season can you get the 180 innings out of him you get if you get 180 innings out of your number five the cubs are going to be in great shape yeah at that point the only thing that's going to stop them is their offense which we'll talk about in a second but um when we 
you know, look at this rotation and I consider Wesneski at the end of it, I often wonder why in the world the Yankees traded Wesneski for Scott Efros. I, I don't understand. I don't either. I don't either. They, they, I, I, it blow, it blows my mind that the Yankees they couldn't have not seen the potential this guy has. There's no way in hell. There's no way they overlooked that. The Yankees are a premier organization. It was it just a huge miss for them. I don't know, and it sure as hell looking back at it is not Scott Efros worthy. No, no. Um, was it almost like the you know when the Cubs got rid of? Uh, Eloy, they were doing it just to, you know, they, they needed who they needed at that time. And so that's why they, they got rid of him. I mean, maybe, but if I was the Yankees and I needed something, I don't need Scott Efros. No one in their right mind needs Scott <laughs> Efros. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come on. You're right. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Guys, we're so close to winning a championship. You know what I need? Scott Efros said Scott no Efros. ever. He is going to put us over the top. <laughs> I will say this, you know what it reminds me of though, and the the one of the best trades in Cubs history, the best, is when they sent a couple no name prospects to the Orioles for Pedro Stroke and Jake Arrieta, and this is what it reminds me of. And if if they if this goes the way we think it's going to go, this could go down as one of the best trades in recent memory for the Cubs. I would say that it would be that that would be the last trade the last best trade that they made the i mean arietta was otherworldly when he was a cub i mean that was i mean cy young worthy is one thing but which which he won and the world series and everything but that dude was untouchable he was untouchable so let's hope we get you know half of that from uh from wisniewski I, I think about Jake Arrieta a lot because he caught lightning in a bottle and immediately just crashed. And it, it amazes me. Yep. Yep. They caught lightning. And it, as sad as it sounds, it's almost like the, not the entire, but they caught lightning in a bottle with Bryant. They caught lightning in a bottle with, with Baez. Um, I mean, think about, think about how, I mean, Chris Bryant was rookie of the year uh was integral in their entire world series run Baez it Baez made himself a superstar in the giants series in the playoffs against the giants he made himself a superstar in that series he and i think lester were co-mvps for that series um and just took off anyway well i mean it Moral of the story, we're really excited about Wesneski. And even me as a Sox fan, I can say I'm excited to see kind of what this kid does um, throughout this season. And hopefully he does have, you know, um, just as strong of a season as he had to wrap up 2022. Um, So a long list of roster moves that the Cubs had to make to prepare for opening day. Now, opening day, of course, is this Thursday, March 30th. And the Cubs are welcoming the Brewers to Wrigley for a three-game series, and their first game will be, of course, on Thursday. They have an off day on Friday, followed by games Saturday and Sunday. Um, It looks like opening day, of course, Stroman will be on the mound, which makes me happy because I got a free meal from Romanelli. Um, (laughs) So, yay. This is true. This is true. true. I'm cashing that in. Um, But also, um, which is a really solid pitching matchup. um, Yeah. And um, 
I just from my perspective, don't love the Cubs uh, hitting against Corbin Burns, if I can just say that. But it is Stroman versus Corbin Burns. So opening day, kind of what are your thoughts on that matchup and welcoming the Brewers um, into Wrigley? Um, knowing the fact that Burns led the NL with like 240 strikeouts or more, I think, something like 240 or 245, something like that, uh, that doesn't bode well for the Cubs. It, it just just doesn't um it worries me tremendously i i think that um they're going to have to obviously focus from the beginning relax uh understand where they are understand that they're at home enjoy the fact that they're at home i'm hopeful that the energy from the cubs fans helps and gets burns out of his his rhythm but you don't lead the strike the national league in strikeouts with over 240 or whatever that number was uh, by being rattled easily. So I, I'm a little concerned. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this, and you I, know, the, the Brewers, and I want to get your thoughts on this. You know, I want to talk about just the Brewers in general, because I know in, the, in a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, um, the NL central and kind of how weak this division is. And I think we fully expect the Cardinals to be at the top of it, but yeah. for some reason, the Brewers just have this like, I'm in it. I'm not. I'm playing well. We're not. And they're just kind of always there. I mean, I'm very interested to see if if this year the Brewers are going to be, you know, relatively in the mix like they are all year. Or is this the year they start to fall off? Because I'm not really impressed with their lineup, if I'm being honest. uh, Same. I'm not impressed with their lineup. I think um, they will. They're like a. They're like a hangnail. (laughs) <laughs> they, they they grow they get annoying they get cut they disappear they grow back they get annoying they get cut they disappear that, that's all they are they're just they're always annoying they're always around um but then they then they disappear to be honest with you again i i, I have this thing with ross on his short leash i, I think uh council's been too close too often to continue to miss and I would be done with him after this year. Yeah. Well, I would uh, be. I mean, he's a good, he is a good man. He's a quality manager. Uh, yeah. I, I like him. I respect him. He was a hell of a ball player. Um, but they just keep coming up short. And it's not because the Cardinals, you know, kick everybody's tail. It's they seem to shoot themselves in the foot, the the brewer. So we'll see. Yeah, they do. But, well, but I, I do, I will say this. I mean, without question, uh, the Brewers have the advantage going into tomorrow just because of who's on the mound. Absolutely. Thursday, sorry, not tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah, it definitely seems uh, that to be the case. Um, Well, everybody, the Milwaukee Hangnails coming to a ballpark near you. Um, One thing I kind of anticipate for the rest of this series, you know, if we look at the rest of their starting rotation, you're looking at, Corbin Burns going Thursday against Stroman. Maybe then you have Steele going on Saturday, but even then they're going against Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. And and those guys, when they're all on top of their game, that's one thing the Brewers have going for them is when those three guys, Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta are on their game, those are three potential aces. So it is very possible that the Cubs get shut down all weekend. Now, to that very point, both teams, so we talked about three really solid pitchers. So if the Cubs pitching does really, really well 
and the Milwaukee Brewers pitching does really, really well. And neither team has any legitimate hitting. I Like who, again, who scares you if you're a Brewer pitcher? Nobody scares me in that lineup. No. Even, even happen. We talked about, you know, him potentially being my home run leader, whatever. He doesn't scare me though. Nobody scares me. Bellinger just, just hit one or two, I think, at near the end of spring training. He doesn't scare me though. Nobody, even Suzuki hasn't played and not like now he's jacked. He gained 20 pounds of muscle. So he's trying to become intimidating and he's trying to become a power hitter. And that's huge. Now you got to hope his oblique is good, but nobody on that team scares me. Nobody. Well, and I'll, I'll say this because I think when you say scares me, I think that could be taken many different ways. I think it, it could be scary as in, yeah, very powerful batter that's going to take you deep. It could be scary. Hey, this pit batter is going to work a count and I'm not going to be able to strike this guy out or he's going to work me deep into account. And I do think there's one player, two players that could that could actually legitimately be scary for pitchers and, and a pain in the ass. And that's Danby Swanson and Ian Happ. I think those two, where they're not going to, they're not your Jordan Alvarez's, your Aaron Judges no. of the world. They're not going to crank the ball out for 40, 40 times. But those are the players that I think are going to grind in that bat, make it very tough for pitchers, not going to strike out, going eight, nine, 10 pitches deep in an at bat. That. That wears a pitcher down. That I could I could see as a competitive advantage for them, if anything. I, I'll actually add a third person to that, and that's Nico Horner. I, I think yes. I think to your point, um they do know how to grind out at bats. I think I mean, they're all intelligent hitters. So I mean Bellinger's won his World Series. Um, they know what they're doing at the plate. I just hope that it um equates to enough runs. Um, one thing that I did not realize until two days ago is they're only allowed to throw over to first base twice. Yes. Twice per batter. Is that correct? Per batter. But that's still, although it doesn't, it's not like it happened that much. And um, anyway, but that, that's just a, I don't know. To me, that rule is just kind of stupid. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that, a pitcher can do in that scenario is if you, if you're throwing over to first twice, then your next step, well, number one, you throw over twice, that runner is already like, okay, he can't throw over again. Right. When that pitch is thrown, I know he's going to go to home plate. He's not going to come to me. So I'm going to get a really good jump, but that means the pitcher needs to be slide stepping in his pitch to home plate. And it's just a battle of who's getting, of who's making it to to second base first, the, the catcher or the runner. The other reason I like baseball more than any other sport is because of the chess match that it is. Now, I can't throw over, but I sure as hell can step off. I am going to step off you and can't. step off. You can't at all? You can't step yeah. off at all? can't. <sighs> I'm pretty sure you cannot step off, that there's step-off rules as well. Okay, I'm sure there are. You don't have to check now. We can check later. Cool. Um, I, I'm just trying to think, okay, from the chess match perspective, then I'm just looking at who my fastest guys are on my team. Who who's who are my best guys for a hit and run? Especially the Cubs, who are not gonna hit for a lot of power. They're just not. So who mm. are my hit? Who are my best hit and run options? I think you have a lot of hit and run options if they're as smart and going and deep into counts as we hope. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, there's so. 
we're talking about the hitting side of this, and this is, I guess, a good time to bring up this question is just when, when you're watching this series this weekend, which players are you most excited to see hitting in a Cubs uniform that you're really going to keep your eye on? Uh, I, I'm excited to see Nico lead off. Um, I'm excited to see what Swanson can do. He's, you know, he's brand new to us. Mm-hmm. You know what about, you know what Ballinger's capable of. So I'm hopeful that uh, his bat comes around. Uh, I think that's it. I, I I worry about wisdom. I worry about the catching tandem not having any power whatsoever. Like no runs are going to come from the catching position. Uh, mm. That scares me to death. Um, so that's eight. You know that. So you've got eight positions that are able to score because I don't think the catchers are going to do a lot of hitting. Um, sure. Uh, so yes, they have, they have a solid backstop, uh, in Gomes and, oh my God, what's the other guy's name? The other catcher, um, Tucker Barnhart. Thank you. Um, but do they have enough power to score, uh, score some runs? I just don't know. No, I mean, more and more you see teams kind of resigning to the fact that that power is never going to come from the catcher position. I mean, that's so rare these days. I mean, how many power power hitting um, catchers do we have? I mean, Wilson Contreras, maybe JT Romuto, maybe. I mean, they're just rare to come by these days. And you see teams gravitating more towards, you know, those defensive first catchers. And I think that's what the Cubs did here. I think so, too. So we're just we're worried about our run production. Yeah, um, I'm going to be very interested to see just right out of the gate how they how as a team they put those runs together. I don't think it's going to be from them leaving the yard. I, this team's going to have to play some small ball and get really creative um, with putting balls in play. Um, now, w- in a moment, we're going to go through the whole April schedule and kind of what is ahead for the Cubs um, in obviously March and through April. Sure. Um but what are you looking for them to really accomplish in April? I know, I know that's a loaded question because th- their expectations are so all over the place right now. But what are you really wanting to see out of this team in the first month of the season? Consistency. <clears throat> um, just be consistent. Be close and be consistent. You've got Milwaukee to start. That, like I said, that that concerns me a little. Uh, but then you've got Cincinnati. They they have nobody. Um, the Rangers loaded up, but I'm not too, I'll be curious what happens, I guess, with the Rangers. It'll be fun to see Seattle. Um, I think the single word is consistency. Um, they've got a lot going on there. They, they play the Dodgers. They play the Padres. Uh, they're playing the, again, the Brewers right out of the gate are scary. You've mm. got the Dodgers and the Padres, uh, and who else? And then we don't know enough about Seattle. I don't, I'll be honest with you. I don't know enough about Seattle to be scared. Um, um, well, that's that. I'm glad you bring that up actually, because I do want to, I, I do want to provide as the American league guy, some context for what we're seeing here, because um, I do think the Rangers are going to be much more competitive this year than they were last year. They added a lot to their rotation. They added um, Jacob deGrom, um, Nathan Ivaldi, obviously John Gray from last year. I mean, this is going to be a team that I think is going to do a lot better than people think Seattle is where the Cubs want to be in two years. They have a younger team. They're very competitive. 
I think I think they could win a game or two off of Texas. I think it's gonna be very hard for them to win some games against Seattle, if I'm being honest. Um, so when I look at this and I see, like you said, easy three against Cincinnati, you would think. Uh, mm. three against Texas, three against the Mariners. They have a total of seven against the Dodgers in April. That's rough. That's and way rough. Three against the the Padres. So you're you have, if I may say, seven, eight, nine, ten games against a potential World Series championship team. Yeah, yeah, and that's scary. That's why I said consistency. If they so they play the Dodgers. What'd you say? Ten. 10 times, seven times. Uh, they play seven times Dodgers, three times Padres. If you win half of those, so or three, three of seven, I'm okay with that. Win four of seven, I'm happy. You win five of seven, I, I, I'm ecstatic. You go one and six. If you go one and again, and the whole baseball knows this, you can win, you can't win the World Series in April, but you sure as hell can lose it. You go one and six against those two teams, forget it. You've now you've now shown your cards to the entire Major League Baseball world in April. You have to go or as damn close to 500 as you can against uh, the Dodgers and the Padres because the Padres are are for real. We, you and I talked earlier that you think the Padres are stronger than the Dodgers because of who they lost this year. I, I don't disagree with you. I think that the Dodgers have the history behind them. They have the history on their side however you want to look at it. Um, but the Cubs have so much work to do just with those two teams alone. Like, I don't know who put their schedule together, but Jesus. <laughs> someone someone who has a grudge because right. this is rough. Um, I, um, you know, I, I will say this. I tell people a lot, you know, when it comes to the beginning of the season, it, your record in the beginning of the season and how you perform is like, and you get this being a teacher. It's like starting off with a bad grade. It's always hard to improve your grade when you start off with a bad grade. It's hard to work your way out of that hole. And yep. I think the Cubs could find themselves in a position where how they play through April and partially through May is going to tell us a lot how about how this, this season is going to turn out. Completely, completely agree. They need to be, again, do I say that, you know, I want them playing 500 ball for the season. Do they need to come out of April being at 500? Yeah, they better be. Hmm. They better be. That's interesting that you say that. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but this is this is where I'm not. We're not going to go deep into this, but I'm just going to highlight some some teams here that they're facing in May. Doesn't get any easier. No, oh, I know. Three games against the Cardinals, three against the Astros, three against the National League Championship Phillies, three against the Mets, three against the Rays. This could crash and burn really quickly if they don't, like you're saying, be consistent and find a way to win some games. Yep. I told you, David Ross is not going to be around in two years. Because look at look at who do you who are you trying to they, they talk about measuring yourself against the best. So if you're measuring yourself against the best right out of the gate, and let's say you go one for six against LA and San Diego, then you've got the Cardinals for three. You've got Houston for three. Um, you've got the Phillies for three. The Mets for three. Come on. But but you have the Nationals for four. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, but they're all away. They yes yes they're that's all true. Away. Whoever that's made it. whoever made the schedule was like 
We're going to give him the shittiest, hardest schedule, and we're just going to throw in a four game, one more game against the Nationals. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. A, a prime time Monday night slot at 6.05. Yeah, right. <laughs> at, oh, I love that. At 11, oh, people will be watching. Yeah. April and May, they're they're brutal. I, I don't want to. Yeah, Jesus. And then, yeah, it doesn't get easy for the Cubs until June after they open at San Diego. Then they go to the Angels and the Giants and the right. Padres and the Orioles and the Pirates again. So it doesn't get easy to them until halfway through the season where it's already either do or die right from, you know, first pitch. Well, and this this is something that maybe we should have been talking about more frequently in the last several weeks that we've talked about, you know, preparing for this season. But when you talk about this new balanced schedule that's brand new this year, the Cubs don't play as many games against their division, which benefits them playing more games oh. against the, the Reds and the Pirates. And now they're playing every team in, 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 the, in, the, in Major League Baseball. And the warts are going to show when you're playing – Seattle when you're playing Houston when you're playing the Yankees that you don't play every year um this balanced schedule could very well prove to hurt the Cubs through this oh, year. oh it's it terrifies me how how quickly they're going to be exposed mm. terrifies mm. me we that's that should be a side wager do they do they win three or four of seven against the National League West right at the beginning, or do they, are they like, so, okay, are they over under 500 against those uh, Western Conference or Western Conference, uh, Western Division teams? Oof. I think they're under. I I mean, I'd be hard pressed to say over. I mean, right. it's really, it's just really hard. Um, okay. Wow. lot. I don't think we anticipated being so doom and gloom after talking about the Cubs, but that's where I feel right. That's what I feel right now. <laughs> and here's, here's the thing. I was thinking about this during the doom and gloom while we were in the middle of it all. I'm like, Jesus, because I, again, at, and then I know it was only spring training, but at one point they won eight or nine in a row. So yeah. it's, it's there if, if they're, and we've said it, uh, come it's either hell or high water and they'll either do really, really well or not. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, I think as we talk about the White Sox here, we're going to transition to talking about them. Both of these teams are going to be in a position where they're going to have to show how they fare against these more challenging kind of World Series bound, league championship bound teams. Um, and that's one of my bigger things that I'm kind of looking out for from the White Sox this year. So as we go over to the White Sox, um, they actually do have their rotation completely built out in the order. Uh, Pedro Griffal has been busy at work. It looks like he has the whole pitching rotation uh, planned out through their opening series in Houston against the Astros. That starts on Thursday. That's four games, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, um, and Sunday. Um, and that is going to be the four game series against the Astros. And then they come home for the home opener Monday, the third playing against the San Francisco giants. So um, the rotation as it sits right now for the white Sox cease Dylan cease will be opening um, it against the Astros on Thursday against Framber Valdez, which is interesting because you have, uh, the number two in Cy Young votes and the number three in Cy Young votes from last year going off on opening day. Um, we have Lynn against TBD. 
on Friday. Uh, Lucas Giolito will be going on Saturday. Clevenger will take the fourth spot um, on Sunday. And then Kopech will start the home opener on Mm -hmm. April 3rd. Was I talking to you about this or did we talk about this or was I talking about somebody else? Like, I don't see the Sox losing this division. As you look at their schedule, who, I don't know. I think, I feel like they, not that they got, that they have an easier schedule than the Cubs are just a better built team. Jesus. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll get to that because I do have some, some thoughts about their schedule and kind of what they need to do in April to really um, turn things around um, because there's no doubt that the, the White Sox, and we talked about this before, are just in a fundamentally different place than the Cubs. Now, here's something that they have that the Cubs just don't have right now because the Cubs, was coming into this season, they knew what 2022 was. They knew what the expectations were. They knew that whatever they did in 2022, it doesn't matter. You take it, you leave it, you move on. With the White Sox, I've never, ever following this sport have heard from this team, seen things from a team like this that have the biggest chip on their shoulder of any team I've ever seen. And I, I'm a firm believer, doesn't matter if it's baseball, football, men's NCAA tournament, basketball, whatever it is, I will take the team with the chip on their shoulder every day of the week. And that's yep. why I'm feeling really good about this team. Uh, me too. Um, they're Just in looking at their schedule from the beginning, uh, outside of the first two games against Houston, uh, they should keep that chip on their shoulder because I don't see them now. This would be a good uh, another side bet. Like who has the better April? What the Cubs or the White Sox? Mm. We know just just by schedule alone, it's going to be the White Sox. Just by the the player personnel that the White Sox have, it's going to be the White Sox. They're they are they are primed. The only way they lose the division is if they shoot themselves in the foot. Yes. Yes. Without, yeah, that's the only way. It is. Injury, you know, barring major, major injuries, um, it's the only way they lose the division. Yeah, I truly think that. And I think, um, I think one of the things that I've been most impressed with, with the White Sox over the last really week or two is you can tell that there is a seriousness about righting the wrongs of last year. And it, we saw it, you know, months ago when they hired Pedro Grafal and they brought in this, this coaching staff that we talked a lot about with this, you know, enhanced sense of preparation and um, playing the game the right way and accountability. Well, as they were shaping their roster over the last 48 hours, they made a pretty big move and they let Leary Garcia go. He's not I, making I the team. I mean, that's this is a guy who's been in this organization for a decade and then some, and he still has two years and $11.5 million on his contract. And they basically said, you haven't been cutting it. I don't care how much money you're making. We're trying to win ball games. Sayonara. And it yeah. it is like not the White Sox thing to do. And it gives me some hope that things are changing. Right. And, and I'll use, <clears throat> I'll use that same mindset for the North side where why are they keeping Patrick wisdom around? Yeah. Yeah. You shrug your shoulders the same way I do. If, if, he, if he's not going to produce, if he's not going to be 
a play a strong enough third base, get, get him gone. And, and again, I like him, but man, he better. I don't know. And I know we're talking about the White Sox, so we'll we'll get back to them. But I but the but the fact that they cut and let him go, uh, what's his name for the White Sox just now, um, says that they are serious, and I'm happy for them. That's why I said it's their division to lose. It it is, and and I guess I'll sum up the the Larry Garcia conversation this way: is is the White Sox as an organization for years, and you don't even have to be a White Sox fan to know this. They are a very loyal, insular, go with the flow, business as usual usual organization, and so it means a lot to me as a fan when they go out and presumably pick the right guy and Pedro Griffol, the guy who is going to shake up the place. And who is going to hold people's feet to the fire, but also means a lot to me when they do the very un-White Sox thing and let go not only Jose Abreu, let's remember, in what was undoubtedly a tough decision and one of the best White Sox hitters of all time, but now in Larry Garcia, who traditionally you would think that they would marry themselves to this guy because of his history with the organization. And it is no longer a business as usual. It's now building a roster based on a meritocracy. Which is which is long overdue. Yes. Uh, Reinsdorf has been uh, loyal to a fault through to and including last year during the, the La Russa fiasco near the end. Oh yeah. Um, and if this, and if the La Russa fiasco at the end was his personal wake up call, um, then, all, then all things better for the White Sox, like without question. Absolutely. So, in addition to um, one of the bigger questions over the last week or so was, was Larry Garcia going to be on this roster? Uh, the answer is no. Pedro from the get-go always said this is a competition and Larry is part of that competition and he ultimately did not win that competition. So um, the bench for the White Sox will be Hanser Alberto, um, Romy Gonzalez, Gavin Sheets, and then of course uh, backup catcher Zebi Zavala. Um, in addition, we did receive confirmation that Gregory Santos will be joining the bullpen on opening day. Um, really, that bullpen is is at, at the moment pretty stacked. I mean, even with Liam Hendri- Hendricks not returning from um, the, his treatment for non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, we don't know when exactly he is set to return. It may not be at all. It may be later in the season. We just don't know. But I, I, I think as we, you know, leave camp, and as we get to opening day, one thing that I'm grateful for having watched this team through the spring is the at-bats have been solid. They've been putting up runs. I mean, we had a game, not today against the Cubs, but yesterday, where, I mean, you have Eloy Jimenez smacking a double. You have Luis Roberts smacking a triple. You have guys hitting home runs left and right. Like, this is the team. When they built this team this way two years ago, this is how this team was supposed to perform. And I think finally, finally, with no injuries going into opening day and everyone's relatively healthy, that we're actually going to see what this Sox team was supposed to do one, two, three years ago. And it's very exciting. Yeah, I would now put them. um, What was interesting, though, is they weren't top 10, according to MLB. No, Um, I I think they're going to surprise some people. I, I think so. And I'm not going to play victim here, but I'm just calling a spade a spade. When it comes to MLB and MLB Network and all those shows and things that I watch so very often, the Sox 
whether it's the organization or the players, are always overlooked. They always are. They're they always, always, always have been overlooked until they step up and start to impress people and make people notice. And even then, even they're then, over, they, overlooked. They, because I, I'll give you an example of this, okay? Last year, and I still have just a chapped ass over this. So <laughs> remember when um, Dylan Cease get it going into the All-Star game, into the All-Star break, I mean, he was the best pitcher in the sport, one of the best pitchers in the sport in going through June and July. And for some reason, wasn't selected for that all-star game. You f- freaking kidding me? Yeah, they, the, the as whatever as this sounds, the, the White Sox have forever been the redheaded stepchild of baseball. They just have been. Um, people go, when they come to Chicago to go to a baseball game, they will go to the north side. They just do because it's more of an experience. I still think that the White Sox should really, really look at the property where the Bears are. I, should I, I've always and and hey, whether it's the yeah. Bears property, whether it's anything else, they they have a lot of things going for them. And I I know we're getting a little off task here, but since you brought it up, I'm just going to go to town. I, I think more than anything they have the pieces to take that organization to the next level. They need someone who can invest money into that team. You have the market. The market's not going away. The fans are not going away despite all the bullshit. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf, I don't know if you saw this article. I think I'm pretty sure you did recently when Forbes released their valuation of these MLB teams. The Cubs Mm -hmm. are valued at $4.1 billion, by the way. And the Sox were one of the four lowest teams or one of the four teams that actually operated at a loss last year, 53 million. So what that tells me is I want an owner, you know, love Jerry Reinsdorf, bless his heart, as the Southerns say. But what I will say is I want someone who can influx, put an influx of cash into this team because the bones are there. The structure is there. If you have someone who can invest in it beyond what they're doing now, now we're in business. Yeah. And, and to, to be that far negative is in the same city as Chicago, as, as the Cubs is, is abhorrent at at best. Um, 53 million in the hole, like, come on. And the Cubs are worth 4 billion. You're eight miles apart. Here's here's why it's abhorrent though, is, is, and it goes back to the comments that Ricketts himself made and all these other owners made during COVID, all the biblical losses and, you know, baseball. The oh, owner, they can, they the, can shove it up their ass. Yeah. The DeWitt, the owner, the owner of the Cardinals, DeWitt basically said, oh, you know, baseball is not a profitable business. If it wasn't, y'all wouldn't be owning these teams. So relax. Right. I mean, there's no way if you are owning a baseball team, even the White Sox, that you're operating with that much of a loss, then you're doing something wrong. When we're done with this, with tonight's cast, Google uh, professional athletes who who are owners now in pickleball. Pickleball has become such a big deal. What? I swear to you, don't do it now. But when we're when we're done, because I think we're a little I don't know if we're a little behind. You know, the uh, Riverside had a timer. Uh, Zoom does not. Um, no, I couldn't. I couldn't care less. Well, uh, but now that you brought it up, interesting thing to note because we didn't at the beginning is we usually record on Riverside. We are recording on zoom. So this week, folks, this will be an audio show. We're kind of, we had an issue with the video on Riverside. We're going to look at other ways to get the video. So just bear with us while we're audio only, but 
go ahead pickleball tell me about it yeah we are still sexy audio only but but damn it are we still sexy (laughs) um yeah the there's a handful of i want to say nba players who have invested in pickleball because it's just taking off the same way ryan reynolds invested in uh wrexham overseas and and he's not the only there's other major or nba basketball players that have invested in soccer teams uh, overseas because there's money there. So there is money in baseball. It's here. The whole world knows it. You're about to pay Shohei Otani a bazillion and a half dollars. Um, yes. Again, again, once in a lifetime player uh, without question. So the money's there. We all know the money's there. Absolutely. Absolutely the case. Um, so to wrap up the White Sox conversation here, um, you know, one of the things that I'm looking for the most it, it, this weekend series against the Astros is going to be really how they fare against that level of competition. Because yeah. I, I know I just said like, hey, this team looks great. They're healthy. I think this year's the year they're really just going to be able to bust out and show what this team can do. But let's not get too homerish here. Let's also be realistic and realize that this team over the last couple of years has struggled against those higher level teams, your Yankees, your Astros, your kind of upper echelon of talent. I, this is going to be like the Cubs where I'm going to want them to come out strong against these, against these stronger teams. Like it, am I expecting them to sweep the Astros? No way in hell. Am I expecting them to take two of four? Absolutely. Right. And, and, this is this is one of those situations where if you want to win like the big boys, you got to play like the big boys. And yeah. I got to see that. I got to see that in this four-game series, and I got to see them with a winning record in April. That's what I'm looking for. I, I know your experience and what you want for the Cubs is different given their situation. I'm not taking 500 after April. I want them, I want them in the positive by five, six games. I want them with a winning record, and by the end of April – being at the top of this division and having the best record in the American league. It can happen and it should happen. It can happen. I will warn you. Let me warn you. It's short, but you talk about playing with a chip on your shoulder. The White Sox got rid of Jose Abreu. Yes. To Houston. Right out of the box, the White Sox are playing Houston. You're telling me Abreu's not going to play with a chip on his shoulder playing in a hitter's ballpark? That place is so damn tiny. He is going to – and I know the White Sox pitching is phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. But if he's playing with a chip on his shoulder because he was let go, he already knows what these guys can do as pitchers. He has the advantage. And if there is anybody – that plays with a chip on its shoulder against the White Sox, he's the single player I can think of. And if he goes off, that is going to deflate the White Sox for their first series. The same way the Cubs, uh, I I don't think will fare well against Milwaukee. Um, I think if Abreu himself, I don't necessarily mean the whole team, but if Abreu himself has a field day against the White Sox, the White Sox are going to be kicking themselves in the ass because if they win the division, like I think that they will, they're going to meet Houston again. Yeah, they will. And and you very well could be right about that, about kind of what Jose Abreu can do against the Sox team. And is he going to have a chip on his shoulder? Absolutely. Um, and I, 
I'm excited to watch for that. It's a good story. But what I will say, what I will say is I'd rather take 26 guys with chip on their shoulder than the one dude with a chip on his shoulder. And I think that's where the Sox perhaps still have the advantage. I would agree, except you know what Houston is capable of already. They're they're yeah. you know, one of the top three teams in all of baseball. So they they already have their 26 guys with their chips on their shoulder for not winning last year. So they've got something to prove. Uh, but you're right. I would still rather have, like you said, the White Sox who are are, are self-inflicting their own, you know, world against us kind of mindset. Um, and hopefully they ride that to the playoffs. Well, remember, I know it seemed I, like again, so, I, I think remember it's I know it seems so long ago, but the Astros are defending a championship this year. And on opening day, they're going to be wearing their gold jerseys. They're going to get all the rings during the ring ceremony on opening day. And the Sox have to sit there and watch all of that. And and we just chip away at my shoulder, buddy, because here we go. Let's let's do it. Right. So, I mean, it, I I need the White Sox to really just scorched earth in April. I think yeah. not only for them to get a jump on everything this year, but for all of our fans sakes, because I'll tell you what, if there's anything I learned about White Sox fans, they are just miserable creatures. And they, they are, I mean, they are. I mean that in the nicest way because any they little are. thing that happens turns here's, into like doomsday Armageddon and it annoys the crap out of me. Not going to lie. Here's why they're, they're collectively. And, and I'm going to hell or whatever. They're <laughs> a collectively terrible fan base. Whoa. Okay. No, I don't mean I it that say, way. I didn't say that. I didn't say no. that they're they're one of the only like here's the thing because i don't live in new york i don't know this but why the hell do the white Sox fans constantly look up north to see what's going on up there why why do they care and they rip the cubs why do you give a shit i don't i don't care i used to like when i was 12 i was you know or 10 you're you're taught to hate the White Sox because they're on the other side of town. Then you grow up and you're like, "What? I have no reason to hate them. I don't even. We don't play them. Right? They, you, know, you so you're supposed like I'm supposed to hate the Cardinals, and I do. <laughs> and, and and that's how it's supposed to go. Um, but the the hatred from the White Sox fans toward the Cubs fans, I feel, is much stronger than the other way. I don't think the Cubs fans hate. The White Sox fans, I think the White Sox fans envy the coverage that the Cubs will have or have gotten in the past and will continue to forever get until they put a productive team on the field. And I don't know, there's so much lore and so much history with the Cubs and the location and all that stuff. And maybe they do need to move to, to start over. The same way the Bears are doing. You know what? Get up and go to Soldier Field. Rip it down. Start over. Start a new tradition. And start with this group of guys who are who do have the chip on their shoulder and who are ready to kick some ass. And I, stop worrying about the Cubs. You're not you're not wrong. There is some truth there. And here here's what I will say what I've learned about White Sox fans. And I, like I said, I'm a fan adoptive, right? I was right. a Cubs fan for many years. So I think my 
White Sox fandom experience has been very different from people who've been White Sox fans purely their whole life. But the more White Sox fans I get to know and I talk to, I learn and discover whether it's talking to fans or on Twitter that the 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 group that hates the White Sox the most is their own fans. I mean, it literally Which is, insane. is the truth. I've never been around so many baseball fans that find every little thing to complain about at all times. They remind me very much of Philadelphia Eagles fans, the football Ooh. fans. Oof. Yeah, seriously. But the hatred that they have for their own team. Why, why all the hate? You, they used to, they were never like the Phillies were never hated as much, but the Eagles were always hated by their own fans. I never understood it. Well, and, and, don't get me wrong, you know, I'm talking hyperbolically in a way here. Oh, all of this it, is hyperbolic. Yeah, but in all seriousness, though, I mean, I I do equate it to, like, being a big brother and a big sister and, like, just bashing on your sibling, knowing that it's, at the end of the day, you will love them. And that is truly how I see White Sox fans, but it is really hard because sometimes it comes off as if the love is just not there and it's just this continuous, like, I live this sour existence where I'm just going to be negative about everything and just think the team is out. Like the case in point, this whole Mike Clevenger thing. And I don't mean to revisit it again, but this was a great example, like a shitty situation. You didn't want to go through that, but literally even still I'm seeing on Twitter, like today he started against the Cubs and he did not pitch well. Oh, well, he's a bad person and he can't pitch well. Or, oh, of course, the White Sox still want this guy on the team, even though he, he pitches bad and they put them all, all they put, they put uh, up with all that shit for this. And it's like, guys, they didn't effing know that any of this was going on. Calm right. down. Calm yep. any excuse to get on this team. Yep. And I still think that that was, that he was a good pickup. And I still, and again, spring training doesn't count. Uh, he had, he's working through, Based on everything he went through, he's still in spring training mode. Give him two games. Yeah. Give him two I, games. He'll be fine. I sure hope you're right because guess what? If he mess, if he sucks in that first start on Sunday against Houston, I mean, people are going to rake him over the coals immediately. And again, and again, remember who they're playing. They're playing Houston. Yeah. In Houston. So he's got to be above and beyond his best right from the get-go. Correct. Correct. I'm not here defending. I'm not. No, no, no. I, and I'm, I'm not obviously here defending anything that may or no. may not have happened. And no. I'm certainly not going to hold water for the White Sox. I, I do default in my fandom to giving them the benefit of the doubt, even when I shouldn't, because guess what? I follow baseball because it's my escape from all the other stressors of life. So why would I make the thing I escape to more of a stressor in a self-inflicting way? Why, why would I do that? Yeah. Yeah. You're here. Literally, you, you take two and a half hours out of your life to enjoy that, to enjoy life because too much of it is too damn stressful. Absolutely. Um, well, and I know another thing. I, I, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Just can't totally oh, <laughs> it's like we're on a rant. This turned into reviewing the mm -hmm. opening series to let's rant about our fandoms, which, you know, is always makes for okay good, for good podcasting. Okay That's fantastic. I would um, think, yeah, go ahead. So, um, I, I mean, I speak for both of both of us when I say um, we are just so damn excited for this oh, week. Um, it, it's going to be really exciting for us here at the Crosstown Baseball Show because um, if you're if you're listening to this right now, you may we love be, you. 
we do love you. You may be new all to this. All eleven of all eleven of you. All eleven of you. You may uh you may be new here. You may have been with us the whole time, but we are I believe it's now 13, 14 episodes yeah. in. We've been going strong and this is the exciting part because now, starting next week, we'll actually be talking about some games and baseball action, which is can't wait. my favorite freaking part of this. Yep, can't wait. I wake up every like opening day is my Christmas day. Has been since mm-hmm. I was a kid. Opening day is my Christmas day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I'll leave you with a fact, Romanelli. I don't know if you knew this. I was reading this yesterday and I found it just laughable. Ken Griffey Jr., is making $3.59 million a year and is the fourth highest played player on the Reds in 2023. I know. I just read the same thing. Um, I can't. Did, did I didn't know he deferred money. I, apparently, that was like a thing. Like, it's that still a thing, that, but it was very much a thing back in the day. But that, but, but that must have been hidden because nobody knew that. Nobody. Nobody knew. It only just came out the other day. Um, well, I mean, it's not like Bobby Bonilla type of shit, but you know. But it's still, but for for the for a name like Griffey to have deferred money is 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 shocking to me. Yeah, um, I will leave you with uh, one statistic that I'm, or one fact that I'm borrowing from the comedian Daniel Tosh. Uh, yeah. So I give credit where credit is due, especially. As an English teacher, when you write your papers, you better give credit or I'm going to staple you to a flipping wall. <laughs> um, so uh, his his statement, his fact, his statement that is very true is, is this. Babies aren't dishwasher safe. Just remember wow. that. I, as a proud parent of an, inf- an infant, I will right. absolutely remember that. Um, thank goodness he told me that because I would have been lost. Yeah, it was an it was a made up Snapple fact. Wow, that's fantastic. <laughs> Babies well, aren't dishwasher safe. Oh my goodness! Well, if you learned Maybe. anything today, folks, it's that um, the White Sox should hopefully kick ass here in the yeah. next couple of weeks. The Cubs may or may not kick ass to be determined. Um, and don't plagiarize is really what we've learned here. Those are the big takeaways. Yeah. Um, but folks, please, please, if you're listening, um, like us, follow us on social media. Please give us ratings reviews continue to listen we just love doing this we're two fans we love our teams we love baseball and we're happy to have you here so for the crosstown baseball show go cubs oh the wow that was awesome go white Sox. (laughs) take care everybody